0: Well, good, morning. good morning. How is everybody this morning? Awesome, 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 awesome. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. Had good worship, and I, I pray we're going to have a good message. And if not, we're at least going to have a good time. So, now I'm excited about I'm excited about the message today. Um, it's a it's a topic that they, we all care deeply about. A topic that's probably more intimately involved in our day to day life than in most things that I talk about up here. And so I pray that um, we'll uh, have a good message today and take away something that we can apply to our lives, maybe shape the way that we think about prayer and live it out. Let's open up in prayer. Father, we come to you to study your word. And Father, I pray that we study it faithfully. Father, I pray that we see in it what you want us to see, that we see it clearly and that we're able to live by it. Father, open our mind during this time so that we can understand it and give us the the wisdom to be able to carry it out as we live our day-to-day lives. We love you, Father, and we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen. Well, today I'm going to cover more verses as we're work, working through the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Um, I'm going to cover more than I have been covering week to week. But that's simply because it's all tied together in the same idea. And so I don't want to break it up. And and I, I just want to kind of hit it all at one time. So today we're going to be looking at Matthew 6, chapter 6, verses 5 through 18. I'm going to read them to you first. And then we're going to take the time to go through them. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says this. Jesus is, again, in context, Jesus is is preaching. This is the Sermon on the Mount, and he's teaching, and, and he gets to the topic of prayer. He says, Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now I'm going to jump back and, and, and hit a little topic here. Jesus says as he's opening up and, and teaching us about prayer, he says, when you pray... Don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Now, he, obviously what he's doing is he's, he's, he's letting them know that there's many different religions. In all these different religions, people pray in different ways. And people have different ideas about who God is, what God is, if he can hear us, if he can't hear us, and if he can hear us, how how does he feel about us, and so how should we talk to him? And so different religions have different ways of praying to their God if they believe that their God or gods can hear them and how they feel about them. And so the Gentiles believed in many gods, and they believed in all kinds of different gods, but their relationship with God was uh, was more on the lines of... um, you know, I just got to sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice and do things that in essence um, shows my effort to my gods. And if I can show my efforts and appreciation to my gods, then my gods will bless me. And so Jesus is comparing how he prays to God with these other, religions and how they pray to God and what they do when they pray to God when he's talking about the Gentiles and outside religions they may say the same things or the same phrases and maybe just say them over and over and over and over and over and over and over they may just keep on saying it as, as kind of like a chanting you know we're chanting the same thing over and over and over and over but their diligence was based on how long they would continue to do this how serious they were about this you know did they spend how, how much time did they spend doing this and and you can think of of instances in the old testament where where you know people would worship their gods and they go on and 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 so here this is kind of what jesus is comparing them to the gentiles he's like don't don't do that don't babble and just say the same phrase over and over and over and over and over because somehow it's going to earn you you think it's going to earn you respect with your gods and somehow your god's going to say well this guy's really devoted so i'm going to bless him i'm going to give him what he needs He's like, that's not, that's not how God operates. That's not, that's not how it works. God doesn't want you to just say meaningless words over and over. He doesn't want you to say meaningless words once. He wants you to mean what you say. He wants you to mean the words you say to him. And all of us can think of examples, but, uh, you know, if you just think about somebody you know personally, if they talk to you, but they're just, you know, brushing you off and just saying what they think you want to hear so that you'll keep going like uh-huh uh-huh and then a few minutes later you're like you're not really listening are you uh-huh you know and, and you realize that, that you know what they're saying they're talking to you but it's meaningless you know i've i've never had that situation i know that comes across i try to pick situations where uh uh you know if if that were to happen it would be me me to Lindsay, i promise but but no but the point is we all can think of situations like that whether it's parents and kids or whatever the case and jesus is like no 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 your God in heaven is not some distant God. He desires to be your father, and he's big enough and omniscient enough that he can hear every single person's prayer at the same time un- unabated. Like, there's nothing distracting him. There's nothing like, oh, man, I couldn't hear you because of all these other people talking at the same time. It doesn't work that way. And so Jesus is saying, when you come to prayer in, in, to God, don't say, don't say anything you don't mean. And And sadly... Um, and I'll just say it, this is, this is why I don't rehearse the, the recite the Lord's prayer, you know, every service simply because what happens is if you do that over and over and over and over and over, now I'm not saying you shouldn't teach your kids. I believe you absolutely should teach your kids the Lord's prayer. It's the foundation for how we should pray. Like, the you know, No prayer has ever been recorded in Scripture better than the Lord's Prayer. It's the the ideal, perfect prayer. There's nothing wrong with the Lord's Prayer. But if we do to it what Jesus specifically told us not to do, that's when we get into trouble. Because when Jesus said, don't babble on and say meaningless words, don't say things because you feel like saying that somehow Builds this connection between you and God. Even though you're not actually meaning the words you're saying. He said you end up falling into the same trap as the Gentiles. That's why he said pray like this. He didn't say pray this. And so there's a difference. Because some religions religions, and many religions do teach pray this. And they give you an exact phrase to pray. And they may even tell you pray this 50 times. Pray this a certain number of times. And that is not what Jesus said or taught. Jesus said, pray like this. And so we're going to get to what that means, how to pray like that at the end. And if I don't hurry, we're not going to get there. So I'm going to have to hurry. So let's just keep that in mind. He rebukes the Gentiles for praying meaningless words. He rebukes the Jewish leaders the rabbis, Pharisees, the Sadducees, he, he rebukes the Jewish leaders for praying with the wrong heart. He, he doesn't necessarily say, you know, that they're just babbling on and on saying meaningless words, but he does say that they pray so everybody can see them. So even if you do pray meaningful prayers, if you pray with the wrong heart, it's meaningless. If you're just looking for praise or attention from other people, which the, the Jewish leaders that Jesus was rebuking were doing, then that is meaningless as well. God does not honor those prayers. So we're going um, to look at Jesus' prayer. We're going to look at what it means to pray like this. We're going to break it down in a minute, but I just want to jump right here in the middle of the sermon and point out a couple things that I think are going to be helpful and that everybody, everybody should know. Okay And that question and that is, how come I've prayed so many prayers that have gone unanswered? I mean, we all have prayed prayers that we did not get an answer to. Now, I will tell you up front, you can come to me with a list of every prayer you've ever prayed that went unanswered, and I will tell you adamantly, beyond a shadow of a doubt, No questions about it. I have no idea why that prayer went unanswered. I'll just tell you. I mean, maybe if you told me, "Hey, I prayed for a Lamborghini and I didn't get it," I can tell you why that prayer didn't get answered. Okay, that one I can tell you. But my point is, I'm not up here trying to tell you that there's a rule I'm about to give you, and if you would just apply that rule, you'd get every prayer you pray for. That that is absolutely not what I'm trying to preach. And so I don't want you to take what I'm about to tell you and then say, "Oh." Well, if I didn't get my prayer answered, it was because so and so. I'm not trying to tell you that. All I'm trying to give you is some rules that God gives us and that we need to go by. Okay? God gives us rules. Just like if I were to say, you have rules for driving. Okay? If you were to come to me and say, I got a speeding ticket, and I stood up here and said, you can get a ticket, I I messed that up. If you were to say, hey, how come I got a ticket? Well, I could stand up here and say, it's wrong to speed. And if you speed, you're going to get a ticket. You don't then just go and apply that and say, that's why I got that ticket. No, you probably, you might've ran a stop sign. You might've done, you know, you might've parallel part. You might've been a hit and run. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why. I'm just going to give you some of the rules that God gives us. Can we start off on that foundation? I'm going to give you some rules why God doesn't answer prayer sometimes. That doesn't mean that's why your prayers didn't get answered. I'm just giving you some rules to live by, okay? I hope hope that's clear because these type of sermons, I promise you, these type of sermons where you, especially when you put them online, how to get God to answer your prayer, why God doesn't answer your prayer, these types of sermons get the biggest counts online, the most watches, because everybody wants to know the secret to get my prayers answered. Everybody wants to know that. And I don't want my words today to be taken and applied the wrong way. But we're going to look at some rules specifically of why some two, two instances of why God will not answer our prayers. And he tells us he will not answer our prayers under these two circumstances. The first circumstance is, you guessed it probably, sin. Maybe you didn't guess it. If you've gone to this church long enough, you probably did. Sin. God says, Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities are separating you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. You say, well, that's Old Testament. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. Well, we'll get there in a minute, but God doesn't change his mind from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And some things we don't follow in the Old Testament about sacrifice and things like that. But in essence, the principles are still the same. But God specifically said, if you're living in sin and your sins, you're living a life of sin, I'm not listening to your request. And you say, well, he can't do that. Well, of course he can. Why wouldn't he? If you're a parent and you have a child and your child is living in sin... And they come to you and keep asking for stuff. Let's not get into that. But, <laughs> but we can assume kids probably not going to get all the stuff they ask for. There's a reason. Why? Because the parent wants the kid to stop sinning. It's no different here. We're living in sin and we come to God asking for the stuff we want. And God's not going to give it to us because he wants us to stop sinning. So if you can get that principle, if you can grasp that principle, then that's that's going to help you tremendously because, sadly, in the United States, most Christians don't know this. Most Christians think, you know, as long as I came down the aisle, as long as I got baptized, as long as I made a statement of faith, then... I should be asking God for whatever I want and I should be getting it because the scripture says ask and you will receive whatever you ask in my name I'll give you and people will preach that verse from the pulpits and I want to put the blame not on the people but but mainly on the pastors pastors will preach those verses because they sound so good and not come back and preach these verses and say but by the way if you're living in sin don't count on that God's not going to listen to your prayers. So if we're, I'm just saying, I'm not saying this for any person in circumstance, but I'm just telling you, if we're not getting our, our prayers answered, maybe we should be looking to see if we're living in sin. It's not unreasonable. Let me give you some more examples. David said in Psalm sixty-six eighteen, 18, he said, If I had been aware of malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. David says this. Micah says in Micah 3 4, then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because of the crimes they have committed. And so we see throughout the Old Testament, God will, if you're living in sin, God will ignore your prayers. And this is we need to know this. You can't just you can't just live however you want and expect God to answer your prayer and then get mad at him when he doesn't. Peter, this is where we get to the New Testament. Now I have to say this, ladies. This verse tends to be a little controversial with ladies, uh, but it applies the same way to men and women so what i 've got to say this i I cannot leave this out i 've got to say this because the guys need to know this guys you're listening, <laughs> guys need to know this verse, but it applies to women as well you can flip you can flip it around the other way, but we 're not about to get into into this one it, the the topic in the sermon but you need to know this first peter 3 7 says this husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered so this is new testament this is jesus This is the apostles. This is after his resurrection and ascension. And Peter says, if men, if you don't treat your wives right, God was not going to answer your prayers. Men need to hear that. You know, we need it. We just need to be just, hey, just, all right, y'all know what I'm saying. We just, we need it blunt. We need to be told. You know, the Bible is in no way shape or form, give you a license to treat your wife as anything other than a completely equal co-heir to the grace of life. And if you do so, God will not listen to your prayers. But women, I'm going to tell you, it's the same both ways. So if you're not treating your husband right, don't expect God to answer your prayers. How many times have you heard that from the pulpit? This is not the popularity topics. This is not the topics people preach to bring people in. But I'm telling you this as Christians, we need to know these things. Because what happens is we get disillusioned with God and think that God's not listening or God doesn't care or God forbid, we get to the point where we just think God's not there. There is no God because we've never heard him answer our prayers, da 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 da. But yet we've never been told, hey, we, we probably need to look in the mirror first. Because if we're living in sin and we're not living right, then we we shouldn't expect God to answer our prayers until we repent and turn from our sins. God does not promise to answer the prayers of sinners, whether lost or saved. The only prayer he promises in the scripture to answer from a lost person is a prayer of salvation. That's it. If you are lost, the only prayer he is concerned about answering is, is a prayer of salvation. Does that mean he won't answer lost people's prayers? No. Because by answering their prayers, he will oftentimes lead them to himself so that they will give their lives to Christ. It's not saying he doesn't. It's just saying he doesn't promise he will. And so he will answer any prayer any time that it matches with his will and that it's going to move the kingdom forward and move people to salvation. He's going to answer that prayer any time he wants. And he does it all the time. But we need, to, we need to know that. James 4, 1 through 3 says, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. Then he says this, which this is the part usually where everybody picks up, and this is the part you're familiar with. He says, You do not have because you do not ask. Who's heard that? Everybody's heard that. Most people haven't heard all the part of the verse right before that. But he says, you do not have because you do not ask. He says, you ask and don't receive. This meaning when you do ask in prayer, but you don't get answered. He said, you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. And so, what he's saying is, there are two, that's the second thing. Okay, so the first thing is, the first thing is sin. If we're living in sin or disobediently, he, he may not listen to us and answer our prayers. The second thing is um, not necessarily sin, but we're asking, for the wrong, we're asking for the wrong motives. So in other words, we're, we're not asking for the, for the right reason. We're asking for selfish reasons. Okay? We, want, we want this because we want this. We ask because it will make our life easier. We ask because it will make my life better. It'll improve my life. Uh, And it's all about me. And so when you ask for what he says, spend it on your own pleasures for yourself for the wrong reasons, don't expect to get that answer either. So why does he make such big promises to those who are saved that we will receive whatever we ask from him? Why does he say that? Because he does say that. He tells us as Christians, ask whatever in my name and you'll get it. Why, why does he make that statement if we look at this and say, well, you know what? If you ask for the wrong, selfish or wrong reasons, or if you're living in sin, he won't answer your prayers. Then why did he even bother to say, ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. And I think my opinion is because the two things that are required of entering into the church when he said this he was talking to Christians he was talking to those who had entered into the body of Christ and so what are the two things you have to repent and believe and so that was that was a requirement of the church that wasn't optional is that to come to faith in Christ and to pledge your allegiance to his lordship and to get baptized, literally the scenario was, and and I've talked about this before, you would go down to the river and get baptized and let everybody know that you have decided to follow Christ. Do you know what that baptism ceremony looked like? If you read the scriptures, this is what you'll see. They came down and were baptized in the rivers, confessing their sins. That was it. So the baptism ceremony, you know, we call ourselves Baptists, and we're like, okay, we're going to be Baptists because that's how the Bible says it, and we need to do it the way the Bible says it. Well, if we're serious about that, then what we'll need to do is for now on, whenever we have baptisms, whoever gets baptized needs to stand up here and confess to everybody what they're struggling with sin in and that they're not going to do it anymore. That's the biblical picture of baptism. And why do I point that out? Because that was the heart of the church. You came as a family of believers, and you came down and committed your life to Christ, and you said to your new family, I do so-and-so. I've struggled with doing so-and-so. I'm a sinner this way. These are my sins. And I commit to my God and to you as my family that I am leaving those behind. And now the family now has the obligation to hold that person to account, So now the family knows what my struggles and sins were and now it's to you to hold me account to make sure I don't fall back into that lifestyle and those sins. That's what true family is. And that's what a true loving non-judgmental church is. I mean, that's really what you're supposed to do. And so the, the picture of the whole entering into the body of Christ and becoming a Christian that he was talking to these people, asking you will receive, was this idea that these people have already in their minds said, I believe in the Lord Jesus, I have confidence, I have trust in him, and I'm turning from sin, and I'm going to walk with him the best I can that way. The best I can. And if you do that, Jesus said, you can expect to have your prayers answered. You can but the minute you start going back down the road of living in sin, or the minute you start not believing that Jesus is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he says he's going to do and you don't have faith, when you live in sin or don't have faith, either of those cases, then you don't you shouldn't expect to have your your prayers answered. And that's a concept that we need to have and grasp as a as Christians, a New Testament church. When he went When Jesus went from town to town preaching, he said this. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news. Good news is that word evangelion. It's the word gospel. So when we talk about the gospel, Jesus preached the gospel. What is the gospel? This is it. Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. And this is what he said. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So what is the gospel in its shortest form? Repent and believe. That's that's it repent and believe that is the gospel in its shortest form by the words of jesus and so he called us to walk in repentance that's our christian walk that he's called us to to walk it's a walk of repentance and faith obedience and repentance is the same thing to turn from sin to obey god it's the same thing so our christian walk that jesus has called us to is a walk of obedience and faith and if we walk in that walk then he has promised that he will answer our prayers now, if we ask for the wrong reasons, for selfish reasons, or if, we, if we're living in sin, or if we don't believe, if we don't have faith, then those are grounds the Bible says that he won't answer our prayers. All right, obedience and faith. One final note before I move on. Obedience and faith that we've called to walk in, that's what we enter into, repent and believe, that obedience and faith. It is required of us, our whole Christian life, not just the, the day we made a decision to follow Christ. So if we really do repent and believe the day we follow Christ, receive the Holy Spirit, are born again, and then five years down the road just kind of fall away and and go back to living the way we used to live, we should not at that point expect God to answer our prayers because at one point we were serious. At one point I meant it. At one point I repented. At one point I had faith. If you want God to answer your prayers your whole life, then this is a walk you need to walk your whole life. A walk of obedience and faith. All right. Z- Zechariah seven thirteen. Just as he had called and they would not listen, so when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord of armies. So he's, he says right here, this idea of being disobedient. Deuteronomy one forty three and 45. He said, so I spoke to you, but you didn't listen. You rebelled against the Lord's command and defiantly went up into the hill country. These are his people. So if we put it in modern context, these are saved people. Save people who willfully rebel against the Lord. Willful disobedience. He said, and then the Amorites who lived there came out against you and chased you like a swarm of bees. They routed you from Sierra as far as Horma. When you returned, you wept before the Lord, but he didn't listen to your requests or pay attention to you. So if you are Christian, born again, saved, it is not a I get what I pray for card. If you then start living disobediently to God, he again will not listen to your prayers. All right. And anyway, like I said, this is common sense. You got a kid, they're not paying attention to you, they're not following the rules, they're not keeping curfew, they're disobeying you, and then they say, hey, can I borrow the car to go hang out with my friends? Uh, No. No. And God's the same way. Why? Not because he's trying to be spiteful, because he wants you to straighten up. He wants you to do right. He wants you to stop sinning. All right, we got that, right? We all understand this? Okay. The, the problem is, I think, it's me too. I'm not, I hope y'all know I preach to myself every time I get up here. Uh, that's probably what I, I usually just do. I just preach to myself. But, um, but the problem is not that we don't understand or accept. The problem is we forget. You know? Like we can sit here today and say, okay, I get that. That makes sense. And then we just forget. And then we just go back to where we've been. Going. James gives us the other reason. Sin was one, and you remember the other it was a lack of faith. So he tells us in James one six and seven, he says, "But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord." Can I at least take a minute and say this? So you got sin. If you're living in sin, if you're being disobedient, that's one reason God won't answer your prayer. Another reason is by lack of faith. You just don't believe you're going to get what you asked for. This verse has been so misconstrued and abused and misused, it's not even funny. This does not mean name it and claim it. This This is not a prosperity verse. To take a verse of the Bible... That literally says, if you don't have faith, you won't receive what you ask for. Cannot then be taken and twisted to say, but if you do have faith, God will do whatever you tell him. That, that's not what the verse says. The verse simply says, if you don't have faith, you should not expect God to answer your prayers. That's all it says. And that's something we need to know as Christians. If we don't have faith, and what's the two things of coming into the family of Christ? Repent and believe. We must believe the Lord Jesus is real. We must believe he's the son of God. We must believe he is powerful. We must believe he is who he says he is. And when we start doubting those things about him, and we start losing our faith about him, then we shouldn't expect for God to honor that. Hebrews, uh, well, let me, look, let me look at James 4.3 because that was, that was the first one. one. One is don't believe and the other is asking with wrong motives. You know, that's what he, that's what he says a little bit later. But let's look at Hebrews 11.6. But the second person, Oh no, no, no. now without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, and that's what James is talking about, faith, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because you doubt him. You doubt who he is. You doubt his goodness. You doubt his ability. You doubt his power. You doubt his presence. You doubt his care. When you doubt those things, you shouldn't expect to receive what you ask for. So those are the two things I wanted to point out, the two things we need to live by. One, we need to make sure that we're doing the best we can, not live in sin. That's That's what God asks. He knows we're not perfect, but I mean, we're either serious or we're not. We either care or we don't. We either turn from sin or we don't. Yeah, we're going to fall in sin. We're going to mess up. But we're not going to live a lifestyle of it. When we live in a lifestyle of it, that's whenever whenever we see that we're in trouble. We need to stop. We need to turn. And the other is we've got to have faith. That does not mean if I say... I believe I'm going to get it. I believe I'm going to get it. I believe I'm going to be wealthy. I believe I'm going to be successful. I believe I'm going to have health. I believe I'm going to have all this. If I just muster up enough energy and enough confidence within me, which is usually just emotion, by the way. It's just an emotion. If I can muster up enough of this emotion and try to live it out, then God's going to do what I tell him to. That is not what the scripture teaches. But the scripture does teach us what to do. You say, well, if that's not how it works, then how does it work? Jesus told us. He said, Matthew 6, 9 through 15. He said, therefore, you should pray like this. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. In other words, right off the bat, we've got to keep in mind that God is our Father. He loves us. He cares for us. But he is in heaven. He's all-powerful. He's all-omniscient. And he is Holy. And all he does is holy. So don't ask him to do anything for you that's not holy. Step one, honor him, worship him, appreciate him, thank him, glorify him. First thing Jesus tells us to do, honor God, honor your father in heaven. And then what's the first thing you should pray for? What's the first request you should make? That God, that your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth. In other words, get on to his plan. Pray for the kingdom to move forward. Don't pray for selfish stuff. Don't pray for a new car. Don't pray for a new job. Don't pray for these things. If that's what what you think God's for, if you're just coming to him and all your prayers are just gimme, 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 then you can expect to not get, 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 get. Jesus said what you need to be praying for is that God's kingdom, what he's planned, that what he wants to happen on this earth in this time, because it's a short time and we don't have much left, Get on board with that. Ask that people be saved. Ask that God use you to spread that gospel message. Ask that God use you, not give to you. Ask that his kingdom come. And everything we see on earth starts looking just like it is in heaven. Pray about the things of God's kingdom and his righteousness. That's what you should be praying for first. Then he goes on to pray about us and the things we need that aren't related to the kingdom. Give us our daily bread. He didn't say, give me the bread factory, or give me the, the, the you know, give me the king, the a throne, or give me all this wealth. No, he said, just give me what I need. Jesus said, That's our that should be your heart. If that's your heart, if you've come to God and said, I will turn from sin because you've forgiven me. I will turn from sin and I trust you alone and I want your kingdom to move forward. And if you'll just give me what I need, I'll I'll do whatever you ask me to do. If you can pray those kind of prayers and mean it, boy, you're going to see a lot of answered prayers. You're going to see some miracles happen. You're going to see stuff happen in your life that you could have never dreamed would have happened because God's plans are always 1,000% of the time better than any plans we come up with, period. And then he says, after you give us what I, we need, he said, just forgive us of our sins. And I catch this because this is scary. How many times have y'all prayed the Lord's Prayer? Can you even count? I mean, can you just imagine how many times I've prayed the Lord? Let me tell you something. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times you have prayed, and unless you prayed meaninglessly, which is the way he said not to pray the Lord's prayer, if you meant what you prayed, this is what you prayed. God, to the same extent that I forgive others, forgive me. So it says That is what we have prayed. Thousands upon thousands of times. Lord, forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's what you've prayed. To the extent that I forgive others, God forgive me. And Jesus was, this was not haphazard that Jesus just threw this in there. This is the heart he wants everyone to have when they come to God in prayer. God I know that I should not expect anything from you if I'm not willing to show the same to others. Help me to forgive others completely so that I can feel, know that I'm completely forgiven by you. And we won't get into the theology behind that. But that's what Jesus taught, and that's all I'm going to preach today. That's it. He said, to the extent that I forgive others, God, forgive me. And then he goes on. He actually does go on to say, do I have it here? Yeah. And don't, we're going to finish this up. Don't bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But then he decided, I'm going to give a little clarification about something I included in that prayer. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your offenses. But the last part of that prayer And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one and it's just a simple prayer because we have an enemy. We have an enemy that wants to take the church down and because we have come to God and we have prayed to him to help us move the kingdom forward. We want to see the kingdom come. We want to see your will be done. Just give me what I need and I will do whatever I got to do to move your kingdom forward and because that's what I'm praying and that's what you're going to use me to do, the enemy's going to come at me so I just pray that you shield me and guard me and put a hedge of protection around me to keep me safe from my enemies enemies and I will trust you that you will I won't be afraid I won't be terrified I won't live in fear I will trust that you will protect me from the evil one and from all of his schemes and traps until the day you get ready to call me home Jesus said that's how you're supposed to pray and so I know this sermon I've been yelling and screaming and it seems like I'm all mad and I promise you I'm not I'm just trying to get it to sink in so I don't forget this stuff (laughs) Telling you, this is not easy to live by. It's not. We just go right on back. Every, I mean, it, we always do that. We just tend to always go back right into the same old way we've always been doing it. But I'm just trying to encourage us to change our mindset and get to the point where I'm going to give you all a challenge. I debated on whether I was going to give this or not because honestly, I done told you. I don't know what God's going to say yes and no to, but I'm just going to give you a challenge anyways. And maybe we'll have a, a great story to tell when it's all said and done. I'm going to give you a challenge. I'll tell you what. Before I do, I'm going to light the mood. I'm going to tell you a joke by Ravi Zacharias, and then I'm going to give you a challenge. And then we're going to close. All right, Ravi, Ravi told this story about a young boy who wanted a new shiny bicycle. What boy doesn't want a new shiny bicycle? So he was watching TV, and you know the TV preacher's on TV, and he saw this real high church service. And so he, was, he said, okay, okay, okay. He's taking notes. I'm going to pray like that. So he goes, when it's bedtime, he goes and gets down beside his bed, and he kneels beside the bed, and he starts praying. Oh, great heavenly Father. Oh, wonderful, wonderful Counselor. I ask in your name that I receive a shiny blue bicycle. At world's end, I'm in. And he tries his best. You know, but he don't really know what he's saying. He don't really understand the words, but he tries his best. Well, the next morning he goes outside, no bicycle. So then he turns TV back on, and he comes across this prosperity preacher. So then he takes his notes from that service, and he goes back, and he kneels down beside his bed, and he says, Father, I declare my need for a bicycle. I claim and believe that it will, in fact, be shiny and blue and at my house at 5 o'clock in the morning before I get up. I don't know. I'm just trying to remember. I can't really remember. But anyways, you get the point. He says, he says something else. Ravi, I should have wrote this down. Ravi's a great storyteller. I'm not near as good. But the point is, he declares his need for a bicycle. He demands it, and he says, I'm going to get it. And he, he thought he was going to get it. Next morning, he woke up, no, no bicycle. And he's really getting discouraged. <clears throat> his mama uh, sees him go in her bedroom and he picks up this figurine of the mother Mary and he goes off she didn't see where he went a little bit later he comes back he don't have it anymore she goes and listens to what he's saying he goes in and he kneels by his bed and he says Jesus if you ever want to see your mother again (laughs) well there's a couple points I want to make One, we just get so misled all different places about prayer. I mean, you just hear so many different things. We get so confused, we don't know what to believe anymore. And so I just want to tell you, you know, I just want to point out the things I've seen in the scripture. You know, God said if we're living in sin, don't expect to have your prayers answered. God said if you don't really believe, if you don't have faith, don't expect to have your prayers answered. And that's all I can give you. I'm not saying that that is the, if you can master those two things, if you can live almost sinless and if you can have the faith of a mustard seed. I'm not saying you're going to get every prayer your answer, but I'm saying if you take that and you couple it with what Jesus taught us of how to pray, Jesus said, pray like this, honor God, glorify God, and then pray that his kingdom be built and then be a part of it and just pray that he gives you what you need and that he will protect you from the evil one. If you will pray like that, you will see prayers answered and you will see the kingdom grow, okay? But I'm, so I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to go home, Get on your knees and not pray like the kid did. But to pray to God earnestly to show you if you are living in sin, if there is some sin that he wants you to get rid of. Because that's the whole point of him not answering your prayers so that you would turn from your sin. And if he does, commit to him, I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn from that sin. Just right there. That's it. That's all it takes. Commit. Just commit. I'm going to do it. And pray for something that's not selfish, but pray for something that's going to grow the kingdom in a way that God will be glorified. And what I mean is pray for something that when the prayer actually happens that the person involved will actually know it was because you prayed to God for that thing. I mean, just, just pray for his kingdom to move. Pray for him to just give you what you need and protect you and just to use you to move his kingdom forward. And when he, when he puts you in that situation, come back and tell us about it. You know I mean? Like, that's all I'm saying. Take, it, what it's going to take is it's going to take a step of faith. It is. And it's going to take an honest look at myself to see if whether or not there's any sin in my life I need to get rid of. But I believe if we do that, then we're going to live the way Jesus intended us to live. That if we would live a Christian life in which we turn from sin... And that we did what God wanted us to do, I believe we're going to see a lot more prayers answered. I think the problem that my problem, and I think the problem of this country that we live in right now, is we've become too selfish. I, ju- I just believe that's our biggest problem. I believe that we've become too, um, I don't know the word, not necessarily complacent, but what is it when you want to stay inside your bubble? Comfortable, I guess. Is the word I'm looking for? We're just too comfortable, and we're we're too selfish, and we're afraid. We're afraid to really t- take these steps that it would be necessary to do. But, but anyways, I hope I hope that that was helpful. I know that we've, we we every one of us is so familiar with the Lord's Prayer. I hope I hope that we were able to look at it a little bit with a little fresh light today. Um, but I want you to know that I do pray for you. I do love you. It's not wrong to pray for healing. But can I say that escape from physical death is not the most important thing we're supposed to worry about in this life. Escape from spiritual death is. It is. And physical death is our way home to our perfect Heavenly Father and a beautiful future we have. It's not wrong to pray for healing. But He's not always going to give us healing and physical healing because that's not the goal. The goal is not always physical healing. So if the preacher on TV tells you that God always wants you to be whole and healthy, I'm just telling you that's not what I see. Paul he he prayed for physical healing from a, a physical um, thing that was causing him trouble three times, and he couldn't get it. And God told him no. And they and, and some of the guys that were going around I can't I can't remember his name um, at the moment, but one of the one of the guys going around uh, and spreading the gospel they left him sick at a. Uh, Another town. You know, they were, they could, if they could have healed him, they would, but they didn't. God just said, not this time. So we don't always get what we ask for. But as long as we're praying for the kingdom to move forward and for God to use us, regardless of whether we're sick or not, regardless of whether I have cancer or not, regardless of whether I have a three month to live or not, or two weeks to live or not, if God, you'll just use me in the time you give me, you're going to see prayers answered. We need to make sure that people's spiritual death is our focus more than the physical death. And so take a minute to just look at your prayer life and examine your prayer life and say, you know, what is my prayer life filled with? Is it just filled with requests for God to do for me things that honestly are not moving the kingdom forward? Then we need to reorganize our prayer life. All right, I love y'all. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to start off like Jesus told us to and just say you are awesome. You are holy. You are amazing. You will never do anything contrary to your holiness. You will not compromise and do wrong by us and do things that will harm us. Father, we, we know that we live in a fallen world that's full of sin and death, and so we trust you. And Father, we thank you for being patient with us. We thank you for being here with us. We thank you for knowing our every need. And we also thank you that you do make clear that you desire for us to ask things from you and that you would receive glory for them. You do want us to ask for these things. And then when we receive them, that we would glorify you because of it. You want to give us things as any good parent wants to give their children. And you desire for us to ask. You said in James that we don't receive because we don't ask. That's one of the reasons we don't get the things that you want to give us is because we haven't prayed. So it's, you make it clear you desire and you want us to pray. You want us to pray and ask for things. But you want us to ask rightly things that are going to be good for you, for your kingdom, to move the kingdom forward for your children on this earth and not to take those times to be selfish. And so, Father, we ask that you help us do that. Because we are naturally selfish. We naturally are self-focused. We naturally think about ourselves first. And so, Father, we ask that you change our heart. You remold it and remake it more into the image of your Son. And that we would be others-focused and that we would be kingdom-focused for the time that we are here on this earth. Father, we know that you have answered countless prayers in the history of this church and that you will answer countless more. And so, Father, we look forward to the prayers that you will continue to answer. And, Father, we, th- we look forward and thank you for your judgment, for your wisdom, for your knowledge of knowing when to say yes and when to say no and when to say later. And so, Father, we trust that. And we thank you for being so wise. And we thank you for, for being so good. And we love you, Father. And we ask you to shape our prayer lives to be more intimate with you, to be more personal with you, to be more consistent with you. Because I believe that our, our prayer life, is the number one thing that's going to to affect our daily life. And so, Father, help us to do that right every morning, to start off in right relation with you, in right prayer, in the right mind, in a right heart. We love you, Father. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen. If you would, please stand and join us for this last song. <clears throat>